All right, everybody. Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show podcast. Very excited to be here recording the bus at about 57 miles an hour, about to show up at our last, well, well, our, almost. Our penultimate stop. Our penultimate. Nice in word Nashville. Choice. Our final stop, obviously, is in Austin. If you live in Austin, come on out. I don't know. When is this podcast going to air? Uh, you know, the event will be happening later today. So you heard later it. Today. You Got heard it. it this morning on your way to your commute, and you just looked at Google Maps and you said, "Wow, 5 p.m. at Riverside, I can make you it." You can do it, Houstonites. Uh, what do you call it if you're from New Orleans? New Orleansonian? New Orleansite? I think you just call yourself Cajuns. You're a Cajun. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to do another podcast this week, kind of wrapping up the entire experience, but wanted to share today's uh, episode, which I found really fascinating, talking to anyone who has built anything. Maybe we should call this podcast How I Built This. Would that be a cool title? It's a great idea, yeah, and I think the trademark's open. So Yeah, I've never heard of that. We could just As go for it, yeah. I feel like I'm surprised it's not a podcast already. Kind of disappointed in whoever didn't come up with that before. Yeah. Um, anyway, Sal Syed, a really interesting character, um, has brought a lot to the game of golf from his own... Um, he calls himself a technologist, which I thought was really interesting. Um, entrepreneur, founded Arcos Golf. Great guy. You know, I first interacted with him when I got... It was, it was either a DM or an email like a year and a half ago and it said hi um you know i work with sal the founder of arcos golf and he would like to invite you to play oakmont with him and we'll pay for your flight and i was like uh yeah i'll do that right i looked at the date and i was like i can do it and yeah i flew up there played golf with sal and played golf with david dusek from golf week really great guy and played with erica larkin um a great teaching professional with a great attitude and she spells her name with a K so that was cool and we had a great day at Oakmont Sal uh, feverishly attached the Arcos to all my clubs and I kind of loved how much he loved his thing and so uh, without further ado we'll get into the podcast with Sal please enjoy the conversation well before we do my I would just say my three things going into this if you're if you're unsold on the episode I would say they're sold I mean, aren't you sold? Uh, I I'll be honest. I wasn't. I'm not always sold on every guest we have on, and, and then sometimes some blow me away. And this one was a really special conversation for me because it was someone talking about a product in golf, sure, but then the dude is just passionate about it. Yeah. And then he had some interesting stats and ideas around the amateur golfer. Uh, I learned a bunch in this podcast, and then we went and played golf with him after, and the dude is a stick. Yeah, he's a stick. I didn't realize how good he was. I guess when we played at Oakmont, he probably just subtly came in with like a mid-70s round. I didn't really notice it. Um, but yeah, we played his home course in Connecticut in Greenwich. And yeah, no, I mean, good point. I Now I want to listen to it again. Well, fortunately, we're going to be able to. So we'll see you in the ad break uh, back on this bus. Um, we're somewhere in downtown Nashville. I hope you're enjoying these On the Bus Chronicles, and we have one more coming for you this week. Very excited for that. Uh, I just want to thank everyone who's helped us get this tour over the line. Everyone on the Random Golf Club team, we put a lot of effort into making these events happen. Um, everyone in the trucking department, everyone <laughs> in the content department, everyone in the events department. Um, it's been a wild and wonderful trip. Truly a successful experiment, and I can't wait to get back on the road asterisk in at least nine weeks <laughs> yeah and we and we honestly we couldn't have done it without our friends at um, abercrombie and fitch 
uni pizza ovens, which uh, have kept us well fed and warm and and happy and healthy. Hot uh, pizza. Hot pizza. Hot, Crispy, thin qu- pizza. Quickly, quickly. Neapolitan hot. pizza. Ooh, mozzarella. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, Turtle Box audio, which we we watched Groundhog Day at 1 a.m. last night through the Turtle Box. JoJo really showed his resourcefulness last night when we were watching Groundhog Day on the bus, and he decided to hook up two Turtle Box speakers, which are about the size of a shoebox, and it was a loud viewing of Groundhog Day, which was thoroughly enjoyable. It's a 4D experience. And then, of course, we're, we're filmmakers first, so ProMaster, our gear. Um, it's been awesome seeing photographers out at the event, every event. Um, there was a photo contest. So if you went to an event and you took photos, just you know go to the website, randomgolfclub.com, and you can find the uh, the information about submitting your photos to potentially win an awesome prize. So, yeah, the awesome prize. The, the the grand prize is you, you, you get a job. Yeah, you get to work with us, you work, for us. You get on a plane with us. <laughs> And you go to work. No, we go somewhere really cool. And uh, Eric and I can't talk about it yet, but we've had maybe three or four conversations about places we're going in the next couple months. Oh, yeah. And things we're going to shoot that you've yeah. never heard of. Yeah. New dangerous. Names. Dangerous places. Dang- Dangoroso. Yep. That's, what, that's how they say dangerous. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Well, onward to Sal. We'll see you at the ad break. We're ready to go. Everything's rolling. Wow. Um, how speeding. Are you what, what's speeding? Speeding is um, it, it's an old term to refer to the concept that the film is running through the camera at the proper speed to begin having a take. Huh. Yeah. I thought it had something to do with your tour bus. We're speeding. <laughs> Actually, we drive like at the speed limit on the tour bus. At the speed limit? Yeah. The driver, no faster. No, no five miles over? No, just 65. Hmm. Well, I think it's because it's uh, the most efficient speed to travel at from a miles per gallon standpoint. I see. But also, it's just obviously a little safer, and and we're not really in a hurry. When you when you go to Germany with this tour bus, what's the speed going to be <laughs> the on Autobahn? the Autobahn? Yeah, that's a good question. We might get a different tour bus over there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we'll do an intro separately. But how are you doing, Sal? Doing awesome. How's your day? Actually, other than the rain, fantastic. Yeah, I wish it was still raining so we could play in the rain. Yeah, but you would play in the rain. I would. Absolutely. How did you, obviously you have a really interesting story in terms of um, how you got into golf and what you've been working on with Arcos and how that project itself has progressed. Um, Like, tell me about how you got into golf originally. Well, when I was younger, my dad would keep trying to get me into the game. Um, And I remember like I would watch his friends play and it looked very slow. I was like, and I was like, 12, 11, something like that. this is growing up where? Growing up in Pakistan. In okay. Lahore, which is, I mean, <clears throat> most people, most of your audience probably never heard of that city, but there's like 15 to 20 million people that live there. So I think it's like the 15th largest city in the world. Um, so, <laughs> so I grew up in um, a very busy city. Yeah. Uh, and there were only four golf courses. Um, and so my dad would keep trying to convince me to play and i think it might have been also uh so he could spend time with me uh, but i really liked tennis and cricket um they were like there's running involved i was like i'd look at his friends playing golf i walked with him a couple of times um and i was like this seems really slow like uh, why, why aren't we running to the ball and eventually he bought me a set of clubs um, and he was like just come out and play one time uh, and i did i remember like i clearly remember like the fifth the third hole I played, I made like perfect contact with the five iron, like went in the air 
and it was like a pure shot and i was like wow like then i was like mesmerized and ever since then um i've been hooked so you've obviously gone on to deal with a lot of scientific things in your job now and i guess what what do you consider yourself as a title is it like obviously founder and ceo but like is there engineer is it more about data is it more about science physics it's a great question you know like i would i think of myself as maybe a technologist hmm. but who does who builds products that I'm personally passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I, wherever I'm, I'm applying technology, my knowledge of technology or ideas, um, I want to do it where um, I know I can make a difference in my own life, and I, and then maybe as a um, extension of that, bunch of other lives that are similar to mine. Yeah. So, so as a young technologist in Pakistan hitting a five iron on his third hole of golf, what was it about the flight of the ball that mesmerized you? You know, I, I, w I wouldn't say that I was a technologist then. I was like <laughs> well, 12. Budding, yeah, you know, you had I, was, I was certainly into like physics a lot then. I, I'd read the briefest year of time. I was like curious about the universe. I was into a bunch of other things. I never thought I would actually work in the golf industry. Right. Um, but why did I get hooked? You know, I, I met this person like 10 years ago and I was describing golf to him and he never golfed and he was like a creative um, designer um, and it, like the parallel that he drew which like sticks in my mind because I was describing golf was you know it's just like it's the hook is just like angry birds which is um, you hit a shot and then it takes about five to seven seconds for the outcome to materialize and that's enough, that's exactly apparently the right amount of time where your brain doesn't get distracted and you're literally solely focused on what, where the ball's going, where it's ending. And that's the hook. And then when you hit it really good, it, like you get like, I, I guess like dopamine rewards or whatever it might be. Uh, but I would say like that's the best thing I've heard in terms of describing why there's a hook to golf. I've never heard that version of it. Fascinating. It's like the extension of uh, IRT. Or what is it? Intermittent response? Uh, it's uh, random intermittent reinforcement, which is um, a yeah. lot of psychologists believe that golf is so addictive because it's like a slot machine. Yeah. You kind of never know when never you're going to hit. That. Yeah. And you're always doing your best or yeah. whatever, you know. Now, like, uh, I'll say, like, since I've shared this, now when we you play the next time, like, try to think when you hit your shot, you literally won't remember what's happened around you. The only thing you'll remember is where what happened to the golf ball. Yeah. Like, like there could be crazy stuff happening around. You'll be focused on that. Yeah. Till that ends, then you're like, okay, what else is going on? There, there is really like a, there's like an allegory there on some level where it's like, you're kind of like waiting for it to land. You know what I mean? Like, just like, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. And it's but a, it doesn't go on too long where yeah. you get bored with it. Yeah. 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 Um, so when, uh, what did your father do? What was his path? He was in the military okay then he went which to is business. common right i mean in pakistan there's like a it is there's mandated like military. yeah there's no mandate okay um it's actually like a like highly competitive job oh yeah even though it's like i think half a million people are in the military but the country's like 230 or 250 million okay uh, but it's it's a it's a hard to get in uh job and he did it for about 20 years then he decided to go to business school okay um when he was 40 and then he went into, hey, actually started his own company. 
uh, which is a media company. Interesting. Yeah. You also went to a business school, but not in Pakistan. I did, yeah. <laughs> and I went because I went. Do you, say, do you say you went to school in um? What, what what's the for you went to school in Boston or was this what's the phrase? No, I went to you Yale. Went to school in, I went to Yale. You, so not oh, Boston. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Boston is um no, but isn't there like uh? People say. Why do you say you New went Haven. to Yale without saying you went to Yale? Yeah, I, I would say like you say I went to school in New Haven, right. but I don't and, say that. I just say I went to Yale, <laughs> and I also say I went there because I love the golf course. Oh, yeah. it's a beautiful golf course. Yeah, it's awesome. That's one of C.B. McDonald's. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really a Seth Rayner. Okay. Well, C.B. McDonald was like a oversight guiding thing, but it's like Seth Rayner design. So yeah. I think like the proper credit should be given to Seth Rayner. Yeah. I played there not too long ago, and I think I played there with Colin, the coach. Colin Sheehan, yeah. The Yale golf team. Cool. And he was apologizing for the golf course. The condition? Apparently there's some condition issues that he's working on or... Yeah, are being worked on. Yeah, like the I would say, if the conditioning at Yale was appropriate in terms of uh, what the design requires, which is firmer terrain, it would be a mesmerizing experience. Yeah, and and mesmerizingly expensive too. I don't really know about that. Okay. Yeah. That Hopefully, looks- there are ways to do it where I mean, in, in the end, when you get firmer, you're actually putting less water on the course, less. Um, uh, it just requires more sand. Yeah. So maybe there's like upfront more of an investment, but I think longer term, um, it's better to have a firmer, not as green. Yeah. It'll be a little bit browner. So uh, w- at what point did you become, uh, I mean, can I say that you're a uh, like a golf architecture junkie? I love golf course architecture. I would yeah. say I, like, I, I love it, but I don't consider myself an architect. Like I, I would be nowhere near. Sure. Yeah. That. There's a difference. There's a line there. Yeah, but, huge but, line. But 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 being fascinated by the Yale history got of golf course art. It was the it was Yale golf yeah, course. Yeah, So when I was at the Yale golf course, um, there was a book written by a couple of professors called Golf at Yale, um, and it traced the history of golf at Yale, and that introduced me to like some of the quotes that they had from Charles Banks, who actually designed the course we're sitting on, who was on site. He was kind of like the man on the ground at that course. Um, and, um, he was kind of the shaper for, he was the shaper yeah, okay. for Seth Rayner. Okay. And then he became partners with Seth Rayner okay. and they applied the CB McDonald design philosophy of template holes right. to, I think 60 different courses. Um, and, um, I read that book and I started reading quotes from CB McDonald and then I got his book. Uh, and, and I read it and it was like, while it was written a hundred years ago, I would say it's still highly relevant. Um, and that found, that I found really interesting. Like uh, there, like these debates happening a hundred years ago around ball distance. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Like, uh, go, like we think golf has changed a lot, but when you read older literature, it's literally the same conversations being had. Huh? Just kneading the dough. It's yeah, just the same yeah. thing. And then there were like, right I mean, now. right now, I think Jack Nicholas still advocates for a floating golf ball, that same advocate advocacy was happening 100 years Wait, ago a floating golf ball in lakes like that could float in a lake yeah so there like, what's jack's what's his thesis what why i think you'd have to ask him but i'll say like in general people advocated it early on saying like that will basically uh put in natural governors on terms of how far the ball could go yeah actually, and it would also make it easier for people to find the golf ball yeah for sure first course i ever played they had a range where you hit into a lake which i haven't actually seen really much i think i might have seen it one other time bayonne has that 
Bayonne does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This was in Florida, but yeah, it was a, it was a hollow golf ball. It sounded nice. You know, it yeah. didn't say it was, it was obviously you're, very you're, soft. You put it in the water. You can swim after it, get it back. <laughs> take loads off. At your own risk. So, so how old are you when you're reading this, these books about architecture and history of golf? I was 27, 28. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this was after you had uh, conceived of what you would spend the rest of your life building with architecture. It was in parallel. In parallel. Yeah. So I was get. I would say I probably got into golf course architecture before I started or co-founded Arcos. Okay. So, so what's the get? So, so what? How old were you when you first had the idea, or when the idea first sort of surfaced into the into your area? So we started working on it. Let me think. How old was I? How old am I now? Um, I think Good I was. Questions. <laughs> I was. I was thirty-two. Now I'm forty-two. So it was ten years ago. Okay. Really? Yeah. So, okay. I, uh, cause I, for some reason thought you were like in school. I was in business school, ah, not college. I see. Yeah. Okay. You go to business school after college. Yes. Good. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I could do it the other way around. <laughs> I, I, nobody's ever done it. That'd be interesting. <laughs> so you went to college. Did you go to uni before or anything? I did. I went to a small liberal arts college, uh, Ohio Wesleyan. Um, and in fact, over there I played the women's tennis coach. So I was the captain of the men's tennis team and the women's tennis coach, her family owned a golf course, um, Mill Creek. Um, it was in Ohio and she was cousins with this guy named Ben Curtis. And so I would play golf with his brother, Nick, who was trying to get on the web.com tour. And I wasn't, I mean, I loved golf and they would, they, they would let me play for like super cheap so I could afford it as a student. And so I played a lot of golf and, I remember uh, all of a sudden Ben Curtis won the British Open while, I, while we were there. But that's the course I played at a lot in Ohio. And that. And when you're playing golf at this time, are you thinking in your head, oh, there are, there is a better mousetrap here? Like, are there, there's a possibility for aspects of this to be better? At what yeah. point, because I think what Eric's asking is, like, yeah. when does the seed get planted? When do you start watering it? So when, when I was playing in college, I certainly wasn't, I didn't even know that there was, there were jobs in the golf industry like that. I got exposed to the concept of working in golf when I volunteered uh, for the U S open in 2007 at Oakmont. Um, that's the first time I'd set foot on like a magnificent, like a top, one of the top courses in the world. And I was like completely blown away just being there. But I also remember there were like four or 5,000 volunteers that mm. had shown up. And I was like, wow, you need this many people for like, I thought people just come, these pros were coming out and like play and like, what is happening over here? And it was like a huge like production and event. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, so I would say maybe subconsciously, that's when uh, like in my head, it might be like, you know, golf can be a golf industry can be a place I can work in. Um, and then um, when I was in business school with a couple of co-founders, like I was actually um, playing in, in the summer, between my first year and second year playing a lot of golf at the Yale golf course, they had like, uh, I, I don't know. I hope they still do have a great deal for students. But at that time, if I remember correctly, it was like 300 bucks and you could play as much as you want all summer. And, uh, I was like, I'll sign up for that. I'm not going for any internships. I'll try to start something, but I'll be golfing. And, um, I was, Capturing my data manual, I was like, maybe my guess is that probably was like a nine at the time, nine index. Um, and I was manually recording like, okay, how many fairways am I hitting? 
how many greens, how many putts, and wasn't getting any better. And I was like, but but my background before going to business school, I was a data architect at a software company. And so like I understood like, you know, data used correctly can be really powerful. I just didn't know like what to do with this. Like, and then am I recording the right things? And um, at that time, Strokes gained, wasn't out, which is like now every PGA Tour pro has access to it and PGA Tour did all this amazing research on it. Um, but I, was, that's, I would say that was kind of like the planting of the seed. And my theory and hypothesis was that, you know, like I read this survey in the National Golf Foundation, uh, which said that I think it was 84% of golfers play golf to get better at golf. Um, and that in the end is one number. It's like, what did you shoot? What's your score? Or is mm. it 104, 94, 84, 74, 64, whatever it is, um, that's the number but nobody could tell me what's the difference when somebody shoots an 84 versus a 64. What is that difference? And so I started thinking, you know, if we could record everything that happens on a golf course as you're playing, then we could deconstruct that number. Um, I didn't know how we would do it. I just knew like within that data will lie a lot of answers. And in the end, those answers would give us maybe the uh, path to unveiling some of the mystery in golf for the 500 years that it's existed, uh, where everybody's trying to get better, but maybe we're looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what's funny is fast-forwarding to now, I mean, the amount of data that is available, not only in the Arcos app, but just in general, like even compared to other players, it's really fascinating to see. Like, I know I, know I look at a, mm -hmm. my Arcos app at the end of the round, and I'm like, whoa. It's, it's, this is this is hell. You almost like, uh, you know, re you, you need to like preserve time just to like go through that and be like, OK, what do I need to work on? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like there's one the thing that was for me initially jumped out, like I realized um, when we started hire like we're lucky enough to hire like amazing engineers and they started solving these problems like, OK, when we capture this data, how do we look at it to understand what's happening? Um, it showed me that, you know, I was like, when I was just tracking my number of putts, I had like 38 putts around and 36 and 40. I'm like, okay, uh, my putting sucks. And then when, I, when, when we launched Arcos and I started looking at my data, I was like, wow, actually I'm like the scratch level putter. It's my approach game. That's a problem. Cause I'm leaving myself like 50, 60 yard Oh, so 60 feet put from uh, of putting yeah. left and Yale had very large greens. And so it was common for me to do that. And I was like spending all this time on absolutely the wrong thing. And then I started working my approach game and I started improving really quickly. Oh, that's so interesting. You were like, you were like, let me work on my putting. Cause I have so many putts per round, but that you were literally not working on the problem. Yeah. You, you were working on something that you were already kind of good at. Yeah. Wasting time. And that's not right. like, so that is me as like, say at that time, like a nine handicapper, that same thing. Yeah. Professional golf is experienced too. Dustin Johnson would hit, and this is something Claude Harmon shared, um, where, um, he would keep practicing his driving. Right. And when strokes gain came out, it showed like he's a phenomenal driver of the golf ball, but he really was not so good with his wedge play. And so yeah. using that data, um, Claude was able to convince him like, hey, let's uh, practice some uh, um, wedge play. And he ends up winning the Oakmont US Open in 2016 after that, wins yeah. the Masters. So so it's not like that 
problem of perception of what you think is the problem yeah and not matching with reality exists all the way through the entire spectrum of skill level for golfers yeah well it's, it's so funny i'm just imagining like you're you're in your head just saying I, you know i need to get better at 50 foot pots yeah and people are like what you just need to two putt that <laughs> Put it closer. But even the two putts are hard because, like, the best players in the world, these, like the PGA Tour players, these are the 150 best humans on this planet out of like seven, eight billion that golf, like 150 of the best. They three putt from 50 feet 18% of times. So one, almost one out of five times, the best humans in the world that literally do this for a living are three putting. So that's a hard thing like uh, to solve like maybe i should try not to get to 50 feet that often you know what might be nice is like if the arcos app could remind me of that when it knows that i'm a 50 foot putt coming up it that's say, a hey, great point one and in five best i think you like what's coming oh good okay yeah. good yeah just like a little like play-by-play -play. yeah you know like, like hey, managing expectations yeah. appropriately if you make this if you even two putt this if you get it within six feet that's a great <laughs> I always love it when they when they show the stats when you're watching and whoever you're watching they'll be like oh they're 29th on the tour in putts from 17 feet with yeah. a 6.8 make percentage and I've always wanted if I had an app or if Arcos could do this it could just be like oh you're the uh, 10,000th and 54th best putter from 16 feet in the state of Connecticut you know what I mean like yeah. if you that, could see that. it track up and down yeah I wonder if there's like is there, well, we certainly have that data. Is there a, a future of using be, that would data? Would that be demoralizing or would you be motivated? <laughs> it depends on where you're at on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, it all depends on no, where if, you are. If you're super low, let's say out of, and out of the state of Connecticut, of the 30,000 people that use Arcos in Connecticut, you're like uh, ranked 18,000 in make percentage from 10 feet. Would that be motivating for you? Or uh, would you be like, ah, I don't want to know that. I would go and spend a little more time on the practice. Well, you know what's funny is I have a Peloton, mm -hmm. you know, and whenever I ride it, obviously there's, there's usually a hundred thousand people that have done the ride that I've done. And all I want to do is be in the top third. Mm -hmm. That's all I, you know, cause I am not going to get into the top 10%, you know, but if I can just be top third, I know that that's about, you know, pushing it for me. And that's, that's what I'm like, cool, good. And sometimes I'm a little bit, you know, higher than that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, I think that is a cool, uh, I think uh, that can be, it can show you where to work. Yeah. You know, another cool thing that, uh, my, I want maybe your guys' feedback on is, when we look at um, golf rounds, there's like basically in every round you're like, which is I would say very unique to golf. You're hitting shots that um, are better than PGA Tour average. Sure, like there might be a few of them. The, the proportion changes, yeah. but there's certainly some. Yeah. Would you like to know which ones those are? Like, and like, yeah. the yes. <laughs> I'd want to know how the seed of the tour player grows inside me. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. Like, I want to know. Like at the end, I just want to see a picture of my body and like. You know, the redder it is, the more likely I am to get a tour card. I mean, how I, so often I leave around and the conversation on the way home is, what was your best shot today? Yeah. And it would be kind of cool if I could check the app. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll tell you like how, how really good it was. Like, I think like we're really thinking about, we spent a lot of time internally at Arcos thinking about, um, you know, like after the round, people tend to focus on their misses, their bad shots. And that like, which is also part of, the drive maybe like it's like the human evolution gene like we're like constantly trying to improve um so i, I don't think you can remove that but and i don't think you want to remove that yeah uh, but maybe getting people to also focus on the best moments um more often might be something really interesting yeah like well, positive that's, reinforcement that's all i do at the end of a round all i do is i'm just like all right where was that really good drive bam 
Yeah. Where was that? Oh, so that we're going to give shot. you highlights then. Yeah. You guys are going to be excited I just try about and reinforce the good stuff. All right, folks. Abercrombie and Fitch. Look, we've been working with Abercrombie and Fitch for a minute. And I'll, I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm 42. So when I grew up, Abercrombie was one thing. And now that I'm older, it seems to be another thing. And, you know, I'm going to talk about my personal experience, but I actually want to talk about this Instagram. Do you follow Business of Fashion? I don't know. B-O-F? Nope. Dude, it's a cool Instagram follow. You have a lot, you follow a lot of fashion Instagram I care accounts. about fashion. Yeah. I care about, for me, clothing is like a big part of who you are, how you represent yourself, the decisions you make, you know. It's just a little wrapper, you know? I, so for me, I had no concept of clothing. In fact, um, most of my clothes now are either RGC or you just gave me because you were sick of respect. Yeah, you were just yeah, sick pretty of much nine times out of ten. You're either wearing something of mine or something we've made, <laughs> which to me or something we've bought on a trip together. Yeah, yeah, like a logo hat. Um, but anyway, Business of Fashion had this really cool post the other day about Abercrombie and Fitch. Um, it's a public company, and uh, ultimately, it's a story about how um, they're doing really well. And it was cool to see that because you know. I mean, mostly I take the credit, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We got a bus situation. Landon Cup. No buses allowed on the street. I don't know if we can put that or not. I'm going to try Might need to edit this out or not. I, I say know. we leave this in. This, in. Is, this is really happening. We're driving through Nashville. It's definitely not a Nashville party. Um, or maybe it is. Some, pe- no some podcasters, they're in their little podcast rooms. They're no. reading pre-approved copy. Eric and I, we're... we're stuck somewhere in the middle of Nashville going to a golf course and, and you get to come along for the ride and it's honestly thanks to Abercrombie that we're even here in the first place because they believed in us they said they yes to this tour and to be fair we believed in them uh to summarize this post it's really interesting it says that uh the Abercrombie so- shares have soared and it is fashionable once again the brand reported the highest second quarter sales since 2011 whoa Thanks to Random Golf Club. No, it didn't say that. <laughs> um, anyway, it, I just think it's cool that you know, to 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 do that obviously involves a lot of design work. And my experience of you know having clothes shipped to the office to wear on the Mad Scramble tour or just in my personal life um, has been kind of shocking. The different things that they've got going on: sweater polos, graphic tees. They got a Grateful Dead T-shirt that I wore. I loved it. A um, lot of different tees, vintage tees, premium tees, polished tees. And ultimately, my favorite shirt that I wore on the trip was a knit polo, like a sweater polo oh, cool. that had an image of a golf course on it. Mm-hmm. And everyone was just like, where did you get that? Where did you get that? Where did you get that? And um, what's cool about Abercrombie is they're offering the RGC community an exclusive promo code to try out their newest men's product for yourself online and in stores. You're going to get 20% off with the code RGCAF, folks. We've done it before. We're doing it again. New outfits for on and off the course at Abercrombie.com. The promo is valid through September 15th. Sorry, September 5th. The window is closing. 20% off RGCAF. Yeah, and and at this point, Abercrombie's been with us for like a year and a half now, ever since the Brookline uh, US Open. And I got to say, thank you for upgrading my wardrobe. Thank you for providing me a shirt to wear at Tobacco Road yesterday. That was good. Um, we're, I, I'm a really big fan of the team. It's been a, a pleasure working with them and, and support the partners that support us. And I will say the shorts. The shorts are money. Yeah, you've been living in those shorts. I've been wearing And for some reason, I got... you wearing those shorts. I spilled egg salad all over my shorts yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you can't even see it. I don't know if that's a tech thing or if it's like 
or if we're in some type of limbo. Yeah, it's some hydro-wicking uh, egg salad-proof material. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. So anyway, check out Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my question. Right now, I feel like I'm going through one of the worst putting stretches of my golfing life. Huh. In that, speed's been great. Just They're just not going in. What kind of putter are you using? <laughs> Maybe a different one after tonight. <laughs> um, do you... When you look at the data and you look at it from a macro level, is that kind of sentiment ever re- even remotely true? Like, can yeah, I, I mean, can like, I tell? Or if I looked at it, would I actually find out that I've been putting the same for years and just maybe my expectations have changed? Or like, because people go like, oh, I'm in a slump right now. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you looked at the scores over the last three years, you might find you're within a standard deviation. So, I mean, that, by the way, that's a great question. And I can only answer it for myself. Um, uh, but any Arcos user can answer it because we show you trend lines on what your skill level in putting approach, driving, um, and short game is. And it often feels like you're going through things a lot worse than you really are. Um, but there is something like, there is no constancy in God. Like your life is changing all the time. You're getting older body's changing, emotional state's changing. Um, and so I think your golf skills are almost a reflection of that. And I, we certainly see there's like high variance uh, round to round in different facets of your game. Uh, but then over time, like the only thing I can say in golf is like nothing stays the same. Like if you think a certain part of your game is weak right now, um, or really good right now, things always change. Um, and so being aware of what's actually changing and maybe like finding it out early is really helpful. Um, but in terms of macro level, we haven't really done analysis on, um, slumps. It would be really an interesting thing to look at. Like, okay, how often do slumps happen? How long do they last? It'd be interesting if, um, you know, you could do like, have you heard of the apps that help that do like menstrual tracking? Where you can see what your I haven't, I haven't used it. you can see well you can use it because you can see like as a guy as a male you can see where your partner is at you know and it could be like when hey you're trying to have a child yeah or yeah. even just whatever like it, it could be like oh today your partner is like needing a fire and a glass of wine or today it's hmm. like adventure but are they so, accurate are they good yeah, yeah yeah and it could be cool if arcos was like um hey you know it could like it could be like a golfing partner uh component where it's like the interesting the the spouse of the partner That's of the really golfer could be like it could be like hey you know sal's in a slump right now <laughs> he'll like, need this then yeah, this yeah maybe best to turn off the golf channel when he gets home <laughs> take him out to yeah. a nice dinner tonight yeah. He, he's yeah. a-, <laughs> a good gift for sal might be a new putter <laughs> it'd be great to do that with just your playing partners just just track each other's slumps maybe make the bad joke yeah. there is slumping. a slumping yeah we, we just start slumping together <laughs> I did, uh, I forget what, it was called something days, I forget, we used an app uh, when her daughter was born. Okay. She's four now. But oh, to see the growth. Yeah, yeah. and it, like, it's so accurate, like, okay, yeah. the, these are the things happening, this is yeah. why it's happening. Naval and, grapefruit, yeah. or whatever, I mean, like, orange. I, yeah. I, I have no idea, I don't remember, it was like, but it was more targeted around how the brain's developing and how their emotional state is, like, okay, they're gonna be really grumpy these two weeks. Right. And it was like, very accurate, so it was like, 
I mean, you so probably maybe, have that data. Maybe, you yeah. Know? Your golfer is going to be very grumpy next two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as you post like five above your handicap, everyone gets a text that's like. I, I love Arcos, but if in five years I go to play around and it tells me my, my score is going to be before I start playing, <laughs> that's, that's I think when I start to draw the that's line. That's pretty funny. Yeah, you could, uh, you, I want, are you, is, are, is there anything that like, you know, because some jobs prohibit you from like gambling. Like, mm -hmm. do, is there, is, can yeah, you still gamble freely given all the data that you have? I don't know. I, I don't gamble, but I yeah. don't know. Okay. Yeah, I guess inside your trading. We have to ask guess, our lawyers. Do you yeah. have, do you know this? You obviously, you know, if you can tell us or not, are any tour players on Arcos independently? They, I've seen, uh, we don't sponsor anybody, but I have seen in, on TV in US Open, somebody hitting shot with, with, with a tracker and things like that. Because that would be uh, interesting if you could, you know, peek under the hood. Obviously, you know, that would be a poor use of data. You would never do that. But PG Tour has like uh, that real-time shot link data, mm -hmm. which you can, I mean, yeah. so there's like, yeah, I think a, a there are a few companies that actually have services on top of it for betting and gambling. We focus more on helping yeah. golfers get better yeah. at You're, golf, not at gambling. It's kind of, Arcos is like shot link for the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. Hey, what did you think of my tagline? Do you um, remember I sent it to you? Which I came one up was with it? the tagline for Arcos? I also don't remember. It was, what was it? Arcos is the cheapest way to invest in your score. I might have shared it with Darren, so you got to ask yeah. Darren. Cheap, obviously, is a word we don't want to use, but like yeah. Argos is the most effective way to invest in your score. Darren hasn't impl implemented that yet. You haven't gone. Have why we implemented? I don't know. Give it a go, right? Right <laughs> in the camera. <laughs> Tell us. Give us the tagline. Do you think I, I want to? Now I just want to look at your data harder because do you think you're better golfer on or off camera? You want to look at my data? Yeah. Do you think I'm a better golfer? Yeah, because we camera? have your rounds. Like we can t we can tell which ones I've been, which are filmed. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. It's probably I'll probably say both things, even though there's probably no. You're uh, better both ways. <laughs> worse both ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think the camera really has a known effect. I'd, I'd be curious to know though. I think it has to. You think it makes me? I've seen you. I think it I think might it makes me better. It might make you better. Yeah. Oh, it might it might make it make you hit more magic shots? But mm. then it also might be more penalizing. Like it yeah. might be because he's uh, going for the magic shots. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Are you? In, are you? Do you? I've never asked you this. Do you try You're to, to be a hero? Do you try to be a hero on the break nineties? <laughs> the light intensifies. Uh, yeah. Um. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. We yeah, have I guess, to, I guess have I to always check. go for it if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't lay up on par fives on camera? Or off camera. Or off camera. No. No, I mean, I would much rather... I, I'm not a very um, patient kind of like... You know what I mean? Like, like for me, it's like, let's just see what happens. So you've never seen a par five in your life where you're like, I got to lay up here. No, that just feels very much like... Uh, I mean, do you drive the speed limit, Sal? Um, no. Yeah, I think I think of it like that. Five to ten over. Yeah. In Texas, it's a very different situation. We don't have police, so we can just drive as fast <laughs> as we want. No. Um. Yeah. No. I, I always go for it. Don't you? I would say it depends. If there's like, penalty, like a one-stroke penalty around the green. Yeah. Then unlikely. Well, also, I don't really play for score. Okay. I play for like possible moments okay yeah so i would gladly trade a potential triple bogey yeah you for certainly a potential eagle putt yeah yeah so I, I would say like when you go for it you increase both 
<laughs> spectrums. <laughs> well, there you go. Higher score and lower score. Yeah. So you're optimizing. You're doing. Then you're making the right yeah. decision. And I would say the data would probably say layup. Well, it depends on what you're looking for. Then yeah. I would say layup if you want to take your average score down. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have like an eagle, then they, like if your goal is like I want to have an eagle opportunity every chance, then data is going to say then go for it. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, you know, we we did learn a lot recently from the Moneyball Golf Bryson conversation, where it's like, dude, just get it down there. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, as long as you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, that so so what like from a from a general Arco standpoint, like as you started retrieving this data, mm-hmm. what was the first eye opening moment about golfers that you had? Um, I think. Well, we worked with this design firm called IDEO. Okay. And we were going to put in, um, one of the things originally we were going to do is put in like, hey, what, what, how far do you think you hit your clubs? Um, and then we were going to like, so as part of sign up, people put it in. So we'd show like perception versus reality. Whoa. But as we did some uh, early testing, uh, we found out that that actually was insulting to golfers. Cause <laughs> <laughs> so people would get upset about it. Like, why did you ask me when you knew? So now we don't ask that, <laughs> but most people by and large overestimate how far they hit their clubs. They overestimate. Yeah. But I mean, that was like, initially it was surprising, not surprising to me anymore, yeah. but, and then I thought about it a lot. And part of the reason is, you know, like if I ask you two weeks ago, maybe you went from home to work. What happened on your drive? Tell me something. And unless there's an exceptional thing that happened, you literally yeah. won't remember. And part of the reason is the brain moves that information to hard to access parts of the brain because it's it's not going to help you survive. Yeah. Um, and it's you're not learning from it. it's the average thing. And so similarly, your average shots, you kind of put it away and you don't remember. Um, that when you hit a really bad or really good shot, you remember those things. And and so people. Uh, my belief is that's why people were like are con- constantly making these decisions based on Outliers. their best yeah their best yeah. shots and your best shot might happen 10% of the time but if you start making decisions on your average shot um you'll start having better outcomes you'll start getting closer to the hole so has has this like journey for you changed the way you live your life outside of golf Outside of golf, I would say golf. Like, is there a life outside of golf? <laughs> no, I, I do love this question though. Really, has it? But you know what I mean? Because you're basically saying like, hey, um, the the numbers don't lie. Uh, don't expect your best every day. Think about the most common outcome and play for that mm-hmm. if that's what you're trying to improve. Has it changed the way you behave? Has it changed the way you interact or the way you travel? Or I don't know. That's. I mean, that's a really good question. I'd really have to think about it. And do we want we need me to get some data? It? Yeah, no, <laughs> I've certainly become more like aware of uh, uh, the things that I've gotten smarter about are there. And that was based on like the example I gave you. There are ways to analyze data incorrectly and there are ways to analyze data correctly. So I'm certainly more aware, like when I read stuff like any, like a newspaper article and they're citing data stuff, like I'll, if I'm curious about it, I'm going to get a little bit deeper into how are they collecting the data? What are they actually analyzing? Is it, do I believe it's the analysis done correctly or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
other than that, has this impacted my life in other ways? Do I make other decisions? Like, I'll tell you, like, maybe one decision was when Gina was born, we got, um, unfortunately, one of her friends had um, their baby pass away through SIDS. Um, um, and so we were very, very um, worried about it. Um, and um, <clears throat> at the same time, Rachel wanted um, Gina to sleep in the bed with her. So I moved out of the bed and, and it was much, it was honestly like a much healthier um, existence for the both of them early on. Both mm. were sleeping just fine. Um, and I came across this NPR research, which showed, because Rachel was like, hey, why don't you look at the data around this? And I was like, okay, fine. I've been given a task. Um, and I went and found some research around like basically the SIDS risk. And this was NPR research. Um, when you um, basically control for healthcare quality, so you look at Japan as a co-sleeping culture, the SIDS risk is one-tenth of what's in the U.S. Um, but when they were looking at other co-sleeping cultures like India, um, where the healthcare um, stuff, I think we're good, sorry. So where the healthcare outcomes are very different because the systems are very different, quality of the service is very different, um, the SIDS risk was higher, but there are other issues around that. And so we so we made a conscious decision, like, okay, both of them are sleeping much better, so we're going to continue with that. Um, but what I did do was I got this thing called an outlet, which is a sock um, that um, you can put on the baby's foot, and it tracks the heartbeat and oxygen rate. Wow. And so, um, we, so we never had a sleepless night. Um, and what was really interesting about that was you could tell um, – I could tell beforehand when she was getting sick because the heartbeat would be higher at night. Um, so that was really cool. But Whoa. maybe that's like one application. Yeah, that is super interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of like making sure that the data isn't skewed around that. Yeah. yeah. I've always, um, Jojo knows this, but I've, I've always really been, my, my, if I could have a superpower, it would be to have access to unanswerable statistical data. How many people right now are thinking that they should start a podcast of those people. How many are going to do it? How many aren't the people that are going to do it? Are they going to do it in a year, two years? Right? Why? Like, why? Why is that? Like, your I don't know. Super just, omniscience is fascinating. I don't know. I think it's just like, I think it's just like, I'm fascinated with like why people do things and, and where mm -hmm. we are. And like that Peloton thing, like where mm -hmm. are we on the spectrum of, of people's doing things mm -hmm. and feelings, Yeah, you know? And like, uh, and, and like, and also like, 2023 compared to like 1923 what's the sentiment shift right like how you do should we read cb mcdonald's book you'll see the golf <laughs> sentiment shift i was about to say there's no shift i guess <laughs> you know, like, that was written 100 years ago like you know i don't know mckinsey's like i just think that stuff is really fascinating yeah no doubt about it yeah I totally agree yeah um so it'd be cool if you could measure golfer sentiment like you feelings, know. feelings about like I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. We're not here. I think there are ways to. This measure isn't a it. brainstorm. There are ways to measure it with the yeah. words they're utilizing yeah. after a shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. Um. So I wanted to ask you. Uh. So what's your golf game like now? Golf game. I've improved a lot. Um. I've like uh, right now. I'm like a plus one. Okay. Um. I've gone as low as like a I think plus two point five or something. Okay. Um. And so I hover around plus one to plus two. And I won um, my club championship over here 
um, in 2021. It's a big which deal. was like, yeah, I had to beat like college golfers. And that was really cool as like a 40 year old. <laughs> yeah. That's, you, yeah. That's you like and Lucas Glover. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> and Lucas Glover. You're really, you're really finding it now. Sal, we need you for a video we're shooting next week. We're so, looking for plus golfers. So do you get obsessed with uh, gear? Um, like golf clubs? Like, yeah. Irons and things and drivers. You know, I get fit based on Arco's data. Like, so, um, I get clubs sent to me. Like we have partnerships with uh, all these manufacturers and then I play with them and I see, um, exactly which club I'm getting losing strokes with. And I know that this is the best putter for me. This is the best driver for me. And that's how I pick my equipment. So you make a profile for each club. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. We did that with you and it was kind of fascinating. It's also yeah. super cool to go in your virtual bag yeah. and just like, put that driver and put that other club in really and, interesting and just immediately see the, the obviously the yardage difference but you know, yeah like the other thing i found that was awesome for me was um then it gave me the confidence this is the best club for me from a scoring perspective so let's go out and play right entrepreneurial questions <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> um so i have a question about like entrepreneurial life mm -hmm. um pros and cons Go ahead. Play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, I think actually, um, so when I was starting Arcos, I got to know Jimmy Dunn um, and he gave me advice, which I still think about to this day, uh, which was, you know, when you're doing your own thing, the highs are going to be higher and the lows are going to be lower and your passion is going to get you through all of it. So, and so you have to keep that perspective. Like you're going to be like when something cool happens, you're going to be so excited, but then right around the corner, something bad's going to happen and you're going to have to weather that storm. Um, and when it's, when it's something you've started, you have an emotional attachment to the outcome. Um, I would say more so than financial or anything else, you have an emotional attachment to that um, business, to the product, to the success of it. Um, and so when the lows happen, you can get really low, but if you have that perspective, which is what I got from Jimmy, like, okay, this is expected. This is what's going to happen. Um, I think it's easier to get through. So um, the pros are you get to do, you get to define your life, um, what you want to do, how you want to do it. And it might be right, it might be wrong, but you get to decide. Um, and for me, it's, I find that the most important thing I can do is spend time on things that I like doing. Um, because time I can't get back everything else. Like I would say it can go up and down. Time only goes in one direction. Um, so for me, that's why the entrepreneurial journey is really important because I get to define how I spend my time. Um, and I would say the cons are, it does, I mean, the lows are lower. So some people, um, have a harder time handling that emotionally. Um, and if you don't love what you're doing, you're going to have a much harder time handling that emotionally. Um, and so, so that would be the con is like, maybe you realize there's something you want to do and maybe there isn't a deeper reason why you're doing it. Um, and then when going gets tough, you bail. And so then you wasted potentially that time and, but maybe you've figured out that you didn't want to be doing that. Yeah. Also, it might not be the best financial decision. 
Yeah. It's like it's like going for it in two. If you have one ball left, <laughs> you might want to lay out. With the hazards everywhere. All right, next up, folks, Shopify. You can sign up for $1 per month in a trial period at shopify.com slash EAL show. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash EAL show to take your business to the next level today. The cool thing about Shopify is that it is basically a genie in a bottle. Yeah, it's like gamifying the capacity to make money for your small business. Yeah, and you can do whatever you want. You can make 10 hats, you can make a 1,000 hats, and you can share them with the world using the power of Shopify. Um, what's really cool about Shopify is that it, they allow you to get started, and then they also grow with you. You know, we actually uh, became, we're, you know, did you know that we're in the top 1% of Shopify retailers that started in the same month? Really? Yeah. You can track all that, like they, they give access it to that tells data. Me. I don't know. Maybe it's lying. It might. Well, it just wants you to feel good about your business. <laughs> I guess so. They want me to keep Shopifying. Can I tell the, the people listening, like, well, we can cut it out later, but a little secret about how in tune with Shopify you are, that you keep it on your wrist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so on my Apple Watch. He has an Apple Watch, and it, there's only like four things that you can kind of have always living live, and one of them for you is Shopify, yeah. which is crazy to me, but then... I think about it and I'm like, oh yeah, every single time a person interacts with a store that's a real human being, this mad scramble tour we're on right now has solidified that for me. Yeah. Because the only way we're even to do these pop-up events is because we're, you know, able to to give the community exclusive merch and exclusive products that we've made. And it's all run on site through Shopify. Well, and it comes down to this thing where it's like, look, I know you don't need a hat. You know, you don't need a hat. You have a hat. Yeah, you have ten hats, yeah. So if you decide to buy a random golf club hat, that's a that's an exercise in support. That's an exercise in belief, and that's an exercise that we're still at like you know zero. We we are so early on in this random golf club experience that you, as an early adopter, using the tool that we've chosen to use, Shopify, is just a really cool experience. So I love seeing it right there. Going oh we're at the golf course. We're in Nashville. Thanks Shopify for getting us to Nashville. And please go to Shopify.com slash E-A-L show. That's all lowercase. And take your business to the next level today. So, uh, you know, if you're comfortable, we can, there's obviously a couple things we're going to edit here, but um, the lows are going to be lower. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, can you tell us about a time when you were just like, this is not yeah. good? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um so I can pay it forward. Um, I remember like when we were starting Arcos, I was like, we uh, were negotiating license to some of the technology and patents that Callaway had. Um, and it was very painful, like, uh, like working with the lawyers. And I, like I had, I'd gone out, I graduated from business school and I didn't have a job for a year. And We'd gone from living before business school in three bedroom to during business school two bedroom to now one bedroom. And my wife was like, "Hey, I think we're headed in the wrong direction here." We're like, and then I have no income. I have student loans uh, for business school, and um, so I would fly out to California to meet with the Callaway lawyers, and um, I would get the whatever the cheapest ticket I could, and I'd get the cheapest hotel, which was sixty bucks a night in Oceanside. Uh, for like a week because I'm like, okay, if I'm going out there, try to get other meetings. And I remember this one time uh, when I flew out there, 
um, I was in the parking lot and I just gotten in and uh, they called me and they were like, Sal, there's no point coming in. Like, it's not even worth meeting. Like, uh, what you need, we can't do. Um, and so that was like maybe six months into like where we thought like I was like, okay, we'll be able to get access to these patents. It'll open up our ability to operate uh, and create this technology that we want to build. And so I was really, I would say like really down because I was like, hmm, what am I doing? Like, will I just keep going in circles and these guys are going to, it'll be another year or two years and I'll be just stuck in uh, legalese and not able to build and do things. And I was really down. And I, I was like, at that time, you know, like there was a moment where I was like, should I go back to my hotel room now and just sit by myself? Cause there's nobody else. Or, um, and then I have like four other days here. What am I going to do? Uh, hang out. Um, or do I do something else? And there was a round of golf that I had set up that afternoon with one of my friends's friend's dad. And I really felt like I, I didn't feel like going golfing at all. I was like so down. And, but I remember what Jimmy had said. And so I was like, you know, I kind of mustered the courage, like, okay, put on a good face, go meet this person. So I went golfing with him. Um, and it was, and the, when I did that, one, one really interesting thing happened. A guy who really solved a lot of her hardware technologies, names Fabrice. I met him through that person. He was like, you know, like this cool thing you're doing, like with GPS and sensors and this, like what you're thinking. I have this amazing engineer, like the smartest guy I know, like I've never been able to convince him to work with me. And this guy who I was golfing was like a very successful retired entrepreneur, like had worked with Steve Jobs in the past and stuff like that. So he's like, I was never able to convince him to work with me, but I'll connect you guys. Maybe you can. And I ended up connecting with Fabrice and we, this was a Skype at the time. And he ended up joining like from Paris, he moved here. And uh, actually at that time he was in England, um, but that was like the lows and the highs, but looking back kind of merged together. Like one day. Yeah. And in the end, did you get what you wanted that you- We were able to solve- morning? You got all of that. We were able to, I mean, you never get all of it, but I was able to get where I can actually start a business. We were able to license the technology from Callaway. Yeah. The patents. Right. Yeah. And where is Arcos at today? Is it, what, what the vision you had around that time when you were still like pre-product, pre-revenue, mm -hmm. you know, pre-experiment, mm -hmm. the vision you had then, where are you at now? So maybe uh, I would say the pros and cons, I'll go back to the question of uh, <laughs> entrepreneurship is you never feel like you're anywhere. <laughs> so, you're just floating. Yeah. So, so I would say we're still, I feel like we're still kind of where we were, even though we've grown a lot and everything. But feel, how many Arcos, how many people are using Arcos? We have like a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time on people's clubs. Cool. Yeah. It's growing. And, but yeah, you, are you, are you trying to say that you still feel like you're just beginning? Yeah. 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 That's what it feels <laughs> and like. And your team, how many people work at Arcos? You said 200? We have, well, if you include, um, our manufacturing people who work building the sensors and everything. Yeah. That's like a couple hundred. And basically, uh, more often than not, when you go buy a new set of clubs, there's Arcos included in the grip. Yes. Yeah. But you still feel like you're just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's What the like, fuck is that? Is, well, that, is that a mental, is that a psychology thing? Is that a, is that a shared thing among entrepreneurs? 
that you're just constantly like, well, I mean, the further you get, the further you have to go. I think um, that's those are the cons that you asked me. Like, the, it feels like you haven't done anything. Yeah. Um, and so, but also, if I feel like I've done enough, then I'll stop when I don't feel like that. Right. And then what's next? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Build a golf course. <laughs> Do you have any questions? Yeah. Who should I ask? Whoever you want. Um, why do you do podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I ask Eric that all the time. <laughs> uh, two answers. One, I really enjoy it. Uh, there's not that many times in your life when you can sit down with someone and have an uninterrupted conversation where you can ask them questions that you just couldn't ask them in another environment, even at a dinner. Right. It's not common to say to be like, hey, I've got a line of questions that I'm working to get some type of revelation here with you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really enjoyable. And then but the other reason is that, you know, when I was contracted by the PGA Tour to make adventures in golf, um, I one time I read my contract after signing it and I realized I couldn't do anything except it didn't say I couldn't start a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I started a podcast. Hmm. So what makes what's the difference between like a great conversation, a podcast, and not so good? Um, there's something for me about when you're talking to someone, I actually find it easier to talk to someone who doesn't say a lot than someone who does say a lot. You know, because I think if someone, it's harder, it's, it's easier to get someone to talk than to get someone to stop talking. Because if someone's just sort of constantly bumping around, hmm. Um, but you're asking about criteria of a good of a good interview that you think. Yeah. yeah. Well, we always know. I think anytime we've left a good show, we're, there's usually a moment where we're like, oh, that was that was a good conversation. But other than views, how do you me like how do you measure the impact? Yeah. Oh, you mean as far as listeners? Like, yeah. Like, how do down? you figure out like, you know, like, let's say two podcasts have the same number of people who watched it. Oh, interesting. Which one's more impactful? Data. Um, well, that's obviously anecdotal, right? But I would argue that, uh, do you care all things equal? Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. fascinated by that stuff. I think all things equal the podcast that fits into the things that we care about in terms of education, inspiration that relates to our mission and that relates to changing the way golf is seen and played would be preferred. Right, we would want to tell that story, um, and I think some podcasts do that better and in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so, what what are podcasts going to look like in ten years from now? Yeah, so I'm not really a podcaster in that sense. Like this is, I mean, I love the podcast and the okay. talking form. I don't know how much they'll change. Actually, I would imagine they'll be more. Um, you'll be able to find things easier. In fact, I just saw a new platform where you can take, you know, Huberman? What? Huberman, Stanford uh, scientist, I don't know. Okay. He's like, but whatever. You can like basically search all of Huberman's podcasts using AI and you can basically find the Huberman answer to a certain question. So I would imagine so there'll be, be AI? more- yeah, I think they'll be more personalized, basically. You'll be able to get exactly what you want at any given time. You could, It could probably edit together multiple podcasts on one subject. For example, Tamarack Country Club, right? What's mm -hmm. the story? And it could just like come up with a cohesive hmm. 
version that's, of that. That's the next thing is is it's going to be a oh I would like to listen to Albert Einstein debate Sophocles about you know whatever topic Game of Thrones. Yeah, and then you'll type that into your podcast generator and you'll have CB McDonald a, debate Alistair McKenzie on course architecture. It's actually a good idea. That'd be sick. Yeah, I mean I, I I'm like podcast for me is like uh one method for me of storytelling but filmmaking and photography has always been you know way more of what i'm fascinated by so and why are you fascinated with golf more so than any other sport or is that true uh no it's absolutely true i mean i love pickleball and formula one or whatever but like golf is just so what is it? Golf is just filled with possibility, you know, and it's one of the most international games in the world. Uh, it's one of the oldest games in the world. Everywhere you go, it looks different. It smells different. It feels different. Uh, it's different lengths, different widths. Uh, it's impossible. Different weather. Yeah. Yeah, the weather changes like in the different moment. Different cultures, yeah. Yeah. And then there's just so many different types of people that play, whereas like a lot of sports, it's, it's, uh, it's not really as... I mean, what's funny is like golf is portrayed as this you know stereotypical game or whatever but it's actually like one of the most diverse games if you actually just scratch the surface um and it's just kind of pleasant to be outside it really is you know i just love being outside um you can be on an island you can be in a mountain you can be in a valley like it's just wild actually <laughs> like like it's actually like the most expedition like game that we have that you can actually play and bring your friends and it's very accessible. Um, it's getting and, and, more accessible. And, uh, not have to worry about dying. You don't have to worry about dying. Yeah. Although Bing Crosby, you know, he died on a golf course. Did he? Yeah. And his, his last words were, that was a great round. I didn't know that. Yeah. Why do you cover your face? When it's just, is that true? <laughs> hey, I said it. it. Apparently it is now. <laughs> yeah. If you Google the Eric Lang show podcast, we talk about that five times. That's true. What do you mean? Is that true? Like, did he actually say you think he said that's a great round? I read it. He said that was a great round, fellas. It was in Spain. He walked off eighteen. He went into the club. That was the last known words he said. And then he walked into the clubhouse and died. Hmm. Well, I'm just reading this book, uh, Ben Hogan. Um, I think it was written like 2004. Like the last, um, it was the authorized uh, uh, biography. And I've just started reading, and it talked about like the last shot Ben Hogan hit. Whoa. It was like he hadn't golfed and five years and he came to his uh clubs were at i think shady oaks and so he comes into the shop and asks the pro like hey where can i get my driver and three balls and he took out the drive and three balls hasn't swung anything and hit three shots and the pros like watching with binoculars and the first one goes he's at 250 in the first cut second one is and then ben's not happy and he hits the second one two yards better two yards left it was a dog leg left and then third one, two yards better, two yards left. And he's like, you could throw a ball in those blankets at 80. He's doing that. And he comes in, <laughs> puts the driver back in. And that was the last shot then he ever hit. And like the pros always wondered, like, why did Ben never did, Ben Hogan never did anything um, by accident? So why was it three balls? And why did he come out? And But he died right after that. Wow. Yeah. That is really, that is a very strange, like that's a very like beginning of a, like a strange yeah. mystery movie. I was like, yeah, so I'm excited about this book that I'm going to read. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. At 80. I'm going to spend the rest of the round today thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, this has been really fun. Um, are we able to present some type of connection point here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Discount or something or the app or something. We could always record it later if we want to do that. Yeah. Do you want to give uh, free Arcos to every single RGC member? Whoever shows up anywhere. <laughs> I think that might be outside of his business plan. <laughs> that might be that going might for end, it. That huh? might end my CEO-ship. So are you excited to come to the meetup tonight? I heard you might I be, am. Yeah. be making it. Yeah. I've been hearing great stories. I heard about the whole out. Did you hear about I the whole out? I see another one. I heard today. about Chipsburg is what they're calling it in the, in the it's news. It's not a chip. Multiple it was a 70-yard hole out. 70 yards? Yeah. This is for the record. This was for... Yeah, 13 under. What do you... Sal's coming tonight. So, yeah, Sal's coming tonight. Par 3 course. I think they're all short par 3s. Oh, what's the data? Yeah, what is the... Da- like, are we... Are, what are the... Dude, we haven't gotten a hole-in-one yet. I've thought I about did, it many I, times. I actually, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. If you get a hole-in-one on a par 3 course, does that count as a hole-in-one? Yeah, well, I'm... I'm very liberal. If it's like a 120-yard hole. Yeah, it absolutely counts. Yeah, T-Box to green. Sal, I counted it on 88-yard hole a couple months ago. <laughs> and I was hitting off a mat. But I was on a course. I would even count I, it if I, I was... I got one, like uh, my sixth hole in one. But it was... Uh, you have six? Yeah. But I got it with uh, uh, John K. Solheim. Uh, okay, yeah. CEO of Ping. And we were at Sandbox on hole number one. Oh, cool. And there's a bunch of people over there. I hit the shot. It's 120 yards, goes in. And I didn't celebrate because I was like, oh, this is like a par three. The people like, wow, hole in one, high five. I was like, yeah. And John's like, why are you not celebrating? Like, this is like the most anticlimactic celebration. I was like, you know, like, I don't think this counts. And he's like, no, it absolutely counts. So then we had like a huge debate. It was in the Lido member guest and asked a bunch of people. And their consensus over there was like, it depends upon the hole. So if it's 120, yes. Because there was another hole, like, four holes later, that was 38 yards. Yeah. So I don't, I, that I definitely can't count. I just think all hole-in-ones are welcome. You know what I mean? Just just bring them all in. And then you've got this little, like, basket. You're just like, this hole-in-one was challenging. <laughs> this one They're all was, in different shades. Yeah. This one, you could argue it's not a hole-in-one. It's still in my book of hole-in-ones. <laughs> so how many do you have? Two and a half. Uh, so you're not counting properly then three then one of them was an eight inch cup and it was only a 50 yard shot <laughs> one of funny. them was at rustic four iron 200 yards and the other was recently at my favorite pitch and putt in austin four iron ben hogan would have been proud of that one yeah well i you know what's funny enough he probably wouldn't have because it was basically a shank and i looked anywhere but the hole for like 10 <laughs> minutes and then they were like look in the hole and i was like this guy's this That's guy's funny razzing me I had one where you guys had that last meetup. Yeah, you had one at Grandview on the on the excessively uh, oh, you know dramatic yeah, hole. Yeah. On my birthday, that was my first one ever. Yeah, I was like, hmm, golf has expensive birthday turned around. So where, many narratives, yeah. yeah. I mean, on your birthday on a beautiful hole, you yeah. can't control it. The only problem was instead of me getting drinks, I had to buy drinks. Oh, that's <laughs> the problem. Yeah. Birthday turned around fast. Pros and cons, you know. <laughs> I still take it. Yeah. I'll still take Lucky it. guy, now I'm poor. <laughs> um, yeah, no. And so I'm really excited for you to see the meetup tonight. We should do like a quick audio hit afterwards. I'd be curious because you've been in the golf industry for a while. You've seen a lot of things. I'm curious to know what your experience will be like tonight. Okay. At the cool. event. Awesome. Yeah. Do you know the course we're playing? You haven't been there. Never been We're there. playing at a par three course. 
I'm excited. Yeah. So actually, I've been I've wanted to do a thing where like it it might not be possible, but like I would love to see like the Arcos data from a meetup. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. love making we make handmade shot tracers for all of our you know content, mm-hmm. but like it'd be really fun to be like, you know, we could do a strokes game analysis versus the be- best or like versus the top 10 PGA Tour pros yeah. of the meetup folks. How many shots will they beat the best pros by? They'll probably. That's interesting. Yeah. And we could just mark the shots. We could do that on next Tuesday too, possibly. Next we're we're oh, filming yeah. We're filming quite an interesting video. Oh, that cool as, video. as a data person, you might be yeah. very into. We're doing four scratch golfers versus 100 average golfers. Can and f- what is average? Like, what would you say our average? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, great question. Yeah, I don't know if we're getting the data from India or from Japan, but uh, it's it's twelve I would, to fifteen. I would say it's in the teens. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is the average golfer? Fourteen. Fourteen. Male. Male. Average male golfer is fourteen. Female, I think, is higher. I don't. I don't. Do we remember the off the top? Twenty-one. Okay. I was at a. Uh, I was at dinner last week with someone who had just come from Bandon and he had been, he had the course beat him up and he was down on himself. He was talking to his caddy there and the caddy said, what percentage of golfers who play Bandon break 100? What do you guys, Whoa. what do you think? Whoa. 20. 20, per, 20% of golfers break 100 at Bandon. 20%? No. 10. 10? Oh. 10%. And everyone's mad. They all need Arcos. They need Arcos. Dude, you should do a partnership with Bandon. Do like a little red and black or like an orange and black with a puffin, you know? <laughs> I'd love it. That'd be cool, actually. A custom. A puff? The puffin, you know? Their logo is the puffin. Oh, okay. The logo. I don't know if it's really a puffin, but it's like an Arctic penguin. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool if it had like club logos on it. The sensors had club like logos? Like on the side, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, it would be cool. Again, not a brainstorming session. Can, I just <laughs> you'll pay for it. It'll be cool. Yeah, I would pay for mine. Yeah, yeah. The RGC one. I'm not gonna pay for everybody's. <laughs> cool. I can't do that. But yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah. So anyway, like you know, 115 handicappers running the gamut. I mean, you know, it's but a you're sample gonna, size. You're actually gonna like you're gonna bring 115 handicappers and four scratch golfers. Well, we're gonna bring yep. 100 golfers. You might not need to bring 115 handicappers, by the way, to beat them. I mean? think I don't know. Oh, the question is if the four scratch golfers can keep up. We, yeah. we don't. That's the only we, question. We believe that the four scratch and plus handicappers, you know, will, will they be able to be? But are you actually going to get them out on the course? Yeah, yeah we're yeah. all going to play together. Oh, you think you could just look at data? No, this is this is at, in the Oppenheimer words. We you can know, uh, theory we can, can only her, take uh, you so far. Data scientists predict, Run. and we we'll see. Because yeah, like one to. time, Golf Digest asked us to predict like uh, what will Bubba shoot at like uh, a local municipal course yeah and Bubba beat our prediction by like a shot well see the thing is you're basically saying it's not so much about um how good we are as a group it's how lucky can we get as a group yeah so by that how, logic yeah. i think the the scratch handicaps have no chance no chance the only chance they have is to tie they will the- i don't even think they'll get that close i think we'll beat them by three or four shots it's going to be an uphill battle. And, and this is, we, and we this is, will make a prediction. We'll look at our data I'd love and make to a prediction. It. Yeah. So can we get handicaps from everyone who's coming to Van Cortland? Why don't we do that? We can send an email in advance. And, yeah. So this is happening at Van Cortland? Yeah. Cool. When is it? What date? Uh, Tuesday. 
no, this a, a week from you know whatever in a couple I'm days traveling on tuesday okay that's gonna be fun. And not not next week two in two weeks no no next week next week like like inside of a week okay yeah i'm i'm and the, the day before we're gonna be in montauk for just that day okay the day before we're gonna be in montauk on monday yeah, yeah. montauk downs oh really maybe that's where i should come that'll be fun yeah come i mean if you have flexibility i mean the do we we don't have flexibility on when we're doing that we, video? We, no, I'm not saying I mean yeah. you, but like yeah. Nashville is gonna be fun too. Well, we can talk Mar about Montauk it. Downs might be easier for me to, than tonight. But yeah, Montauk Downs is gonna be fun. It'll be much more. Uh, I don't know. Be like, the Same amount of people, I think. Yep. Yeah, and it's a beautiful golf course. Have you I played? No, I have not. Montauk Downs is one of my favorite. Really? So there's only three courses on this tour of 22 that I've played: Montauk Downs, Van Cortland Park, and East Potomac. So, I'm really excited to go back to Montauk Downs with a group. Is of that people. good? Cool. I'm yeah. excited about that. Yeah, Robert Trent Jones. Okay. Yeah, right out in the right I out in the middle played, of the woods. Uh, Robert Trent Jones course, um, Hogshead. Yeah. Oh, in uh, Ireland. Yeah. Have you been there? <laughs> yeah. At Hogshead. Yeah. Nice. It's a it's an interesting place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is. Did you play Waterville? Played Waterville. Yeah. Love Waterville. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Across the street. Yeah, and then we played Trail Tralee. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, that's uh, Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Yeah. Well, Arnie said front nine by man, oh. back nine by God. God did half it. Yeah. yeah. God did. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Tom, old Tom Morris, God did everything. Yeah. Yeah. So golf gods. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for your time, Sal. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for coming here and looking forward to playing now. The sun's out. Yeah. Maybe we can get out. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm taking Sal on my team. I think it's the only way this works. <laughs> well, I just got back from Ireland, so keep that in mind. I'm still taking <laughs> I think that's saying, he's saying that's good. Oh, okay. Are you no, I don't think that's good. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> <laughs>